<laughs> I think. Am I ready now? Well, just go for it, Michael. Thanks. Um, welcome, everybody, and good morning, and lovely to see you, and happy Mother's Day. Um, I want to talk just about God's love this morning, and um, got some slides there, Peter, if you're ready to put the first one up. Just, uh, let's just pray for a minute, shall we? Father in heaven, we want to thank you for your love today, for your amazing grace and mercy and love, for your favor, for life itself, oh God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just pray you'd come and bless this word to your name and, and um, touch hearts, I, I pray, and open up minds and revive us and refresh us and renew us in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, let's see what we've got here. It might be, Sally. It could be the future. Here we go. The theme I've been talking about and the church has picked up, which is exciting, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Times of refreshing. My question this morning to you is, how do you get from repentance to refreshing? Whoa, I'm going to get blinded by the light every so often. I'll stay on the right hand side. How do you move from repentance to refreshing? What do you need to do? Do you just sit there and wait for God to bless you? You've maybe repented of um, your sins, if that's what you've understood. Turn to God, become a Christian, and right, when the times are refreshing coming, you've maybe heard a new word, a new promise from God, and you're believing for it and waiting for it, and, and what do you do to get into that, take hold of that promise for your life? And of course, we want to probably realize we're not just passive. We just can't wait for things to happen. Although it's good to wait in the Lord, there's things that we're asked to do as well. And I think the answer I want to suggest to you is pilgrimage. Pilgrimage. And if you're anything like me, the idea of pilgrimage might be slightly uh, alien to you. You think, well, I'm not a, a pilgrim type. That's a pilgrim type. I've got a nice picture of a guy with a long beard and a staff and a tea towel on his head walking somewhere hot to uh, wherever. And um, there's something a bit weird about pilgrims, I think, isn't there? They're a bit odd sort of hippie-ish types or um, from a different religion perhaps and um, off to other lands and places or um, it's certainly a religious thing and, you know, going to Lourdes and, and there's, there's merit obviously in these um, physical pilgrimages that people take sometimes in their life and I, I want to suggest today that there's, there is something about the, the um, journey, the search of something um, spiritual that, that we need to take. And pilgrimage is going to help us get from repentance to refreshing. Okay? That's it. Anybody say, I'm a pilgrim? Oh, praise the Lord. There's a few. See, by the end of it, I've convinced you that it's okay to be a pilgrim, really. We're going to redeem pilgrims um, and for, for, for Jesus today, I hope, I pray. Um, okay, my intention is that we'll be encouraged, we'll be um, lifted up, we'll be clearer on how to move forward uh, in our lives and uh, into God's love. That's my intention today. And I'm going to see if, if I've progressed from last time. Yes, moving on. The inspiration behind this word pilgrim comes from Psalm 84. 
And I'd love you just to, to drink this in, this promise, this wonderful psalm. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a, a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. And here you can see this sense of refreshing times coming. And as Stuart so wonderfully pointed out last week and highlighted in an absolutely excellent sermon, Stuart. Thank you so much. So open, so helpful. That was a valley of Baca, of tears of lament. It means crying. And in our pilgrimage, in our journey with God, we can be not surprised that there's going to be times when we go through the valley of Baca. But that even in those dark times, in these dark days, God will make a place of springs. Praise the Lord. Isn't that good? That's the promise and the hope that we have. That not that dark days won't come, but that we can get through them. As Stuart helped us, encouraged us. It's possible to get through. We hope to get through. We can get through. Nothing can stop us from getting through. So there's the inspiration behind it. Drink on that promise and we'll look at it again uh, later. The illustration I've got to talk about this is the st- one of the stories of Abraham. Abraham, if you know and read about in Genesis, the father of faith. And uh, just if, I'm sure many of you and most of you probably will know the story of Abraham, but just encourage you to read it again. It's full of the promises of God and We see here, picking up the story in Genesis 12, it says, The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And because of that promise, thousands of years ago, given to one man, we're here today. We're inheritors of that same promise, that it's come down through the generations, through the nations of Israel, and in through Jesus, who is, it's declared, the promises of God are yes in Jesus. Jesus fulfills this promise and was the hope of this promise. And Abraham went on pilgrimage. He went on a journey in search of this promise because of this promise. He moved out, it says, uh, Abraham went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. He was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. You can see just about, I hope, the top of that hump, that map, that journey. He come from Ur of the Chaldeans, went to Haran. His dad took him out of Ur, actually, Terah. T-E-R-A-H, Terah, was Abraham's dad. The father of the father of, of faith. That's a pretty good title. And he moved. He took his family and got a, he was on the way to Canaan. But he only got as far as Haran. And his And his son heard from God this promise and lifted him up. Abraham went again in faith, believing, inspired by this promise. And he took his wife Sarah, nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Iran. And they set out for the Lord, the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. And we can see it uh, in the map there. A great journey, a pilgrimage. Sound effects as well. They're in the desert. Look, the seagulls are there. Yeah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Where on earth was I? 
so rudely, rudely interrupted. Abraham was in a pilgrimage. And the real pilgrimage that we're talking about is a journey after a promise. It's a decision in our hearts once we've heard God's promises in our life to go after it, to pursue it, to up sticks and go, whether that's physically or spiritually, that we want to take hold of every single promise that God has for us, every single promise that are yes in Jesus, we want to take hold of them. And that's really what I'm talking about, this promise of refreshing, this promise of the presence of God, of the love of God. We want to take hold of everything that God has for us, don't we? And Abraham committed his whole life to this. And when speaking to Pharaoh a few generations later, Jacob said to him, to Pharaoh, that my pilgrimage has been 130 years. Our life is a pilgrimage. As a Christian, our life should be a pilgrimage, seeking after something spiritually significant, seeking after the promises of God. Our whole life should be aligned to seeking God and finding Him on a journey, moving. And the encouragement that has and the hope that gives us is that our life has purpose. Your life has purpose and has meaning and has hope and has value because God has called you and He has given you a promise and He wants us to receive it and fulfill it. Wherever dark the valleys have been, wherever we may be feeling, however we think about what God means to us in this moment, God's promised you great things, just as he promised Abraham. The promised land, you will be a blessing to all nations. And it's true, that same blessing we inherit through our faith in Jesus Christ. What a wonderful gift. What a wonderful hope. And uh, I love, and just a little, um, anybody, everybody here last week, by the way, anybody missed the announcement about our journey, our spiritual journey as a church going forward? Um, Jimmy and Elma uh, hit 65 this year, and they're handing over the reins of responsibility of the senior pastor to Aaron, their son, and uh, Lindsay. And um, that's going to happen in June, but we're not making the transition so sudden. There's, there's a, a year when Jim and Elma will be on an um, apostolic role. Be around, but not hands-on. You know, full responsibility to Aaron. And, uh, that's exciting times, isn't it? The journey goes on. And the generational blessing through families is, is, is not inevitable, but it's something there, isn't there? Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. That, God loves using families, doesn't he, Zara? He loves families and loves that generational blessing. And if we see it from David to Solomon as well, the dream of the temple and the temple being built. And I'm just excited to be part of this. That I, I, and we can believe that if we're not ready for the next blessing stage, then we, we, we want to rise up and be ready because generational blessing is coming. We're going to get from Haran to Canaan. We're going to finish the next journey. There's, there's a new blessing coming. There's, there's new power coming, there's new anointing because it is a new day and a new season. And we'll, we'll have to up sticks and go again. And I think that's important for us to understand that this is part of the refreshing days and times in our church that we're believing for. Oh, God is good. I'm excited. I'm excited and believing for great things. You can't get that TV on, can you guys? Is that not work at the moment? No, okay. I'll keep looking back, forgive me. All right, so there was a physical journey and... Abraham arrives, we follow the story through Genesis. He arrives in the land of Canaan. 
and goes to the great trees of memory and settles there. So he's arrived. He's completed the journey. He's made it into the land of Canaan with everything. But that's just the beginning of his real pilgrimage, his spiritual pilgrimage. And although our lives are a pilgrimage, there's moments and seasons in our life when we, we're, we're on a real pilgrimage to get to know God better. And the promise that Abram received when he was 75, God shares with him again. But it doesn't come to pass yet. He's waiting and expecting the first son. I'm going to be the father of nations. Where's son number one? And it doesn't happen. And you know the story of Ishmael, perhaps. And the promise comes again. God encourages him again to believe. But obviously, Abraham has some trust issues, doesn't he? He's just not sure. He wants to make it on his own. Believing, but is it going to happen? Is God going to turn up? At 99 years old, 24 years later of waiting, Abraham is sitting with no son to his own flesh. How is he feeling, you wonder, about God? How much is his trust? What level is his faith at? But God comes and speaks to him again. We pick up the story in Genesis 18. And here they are, three men, two angels and the Lord himself appear as men. And Abram welcomes them and feeds them and blesses them and and they start speaking, and the promise is encouraged again. And, and Sarah, this time, hears from the tent and laughs. How can I be at night when I'm well beyond childbearing age? But maybe believed again. Isn't it great that God wants to come and encourage you when you're doubting? And what happens next, I think, is significant. The relationship between God and Abraham starts to grow. And here's the heart of what I want to get to today. Is your relationship with God growing? Are you getting closer? Are your, is your confidence that it's you he's talking about when he says, I love you? When he says, I called you? When I says, you're my son, you're my daughter. Are you confident that's you? That when you hear us talking about God's promises, are you confident they're for me? There for me. And I, I, I think Abram can help us here. And what happens next is interesting. I'll just read it out. They finish their conversation and they move on. And it says, it just finished ringing in his ears. At the appointed time, Sarah will give birth. At the appointed time. It hadn't been the appointed time yet. And there's a appointed time for the promise to come true for us and for you. And to encourage it, Something happens next. The men turn away and walk towards Sodom, but Abraham remains standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, will, will, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? And what's happened is they've had a conversation and they're going to destroy. The two angels say, we're going to have to destroy Sodom because of the evil in it. And Abraham overhears and knows his nephew Lot and his family are, is in Sodom and will be destroyed. So something happens. If you... It, do, do you get that feeling, that prick, that something inside you think, oh, I've got to say something here. I've got, to, I've got to stand up. I've got to do something. Something's not right. I've got a prayer. I've got to speak. I've got to dress. And that conviction comes and you don't want to do it. But, but Abraham was at that place of, he's just heard God's promise again and, and, and believed it. And he, but 
his son and his nephew is at risk. And so he goes to God. He says, what if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Have you ever spoken to God like that? certainly thought it. How is there so much evil in the world? How can you really be God if there's such tragedy going on? How can you call yourself God? How can you love me when I'm going through this suffering, when I've lost this child, when I've lost this relationship, when suffering comes? And, and Abraham, I think, is asking that eternal philosophical question. How, God, if you are the judge of all the earth, can you allow some people to die and some people to live? How can it be? And, and we're still perplexed by that question today. We're asking often that same question for ourselves. And even when we're blessed, we're thinking, well, why am I blessed and not them? Why are people suffering and not me? It's an eternal question, and we're not sure if God really answers it, but see what he says. The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham spoke up again, now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes. What if the number of righteous is five less than 50? What about that, God? How much do you care, really, if it was only 45? And, it, and, and I've read this story a few times, and it goes on. It goes from 45 to 40 to 30 to 20, I think finally to 10. And it just repeats itself. And I usually get pretty bored about verse 18. And, oh, yeah, I know what's coming next. But God spoke to me about this passage and this idea of, pilgrimage of seeking the promises. And, and I just wonder what's going on here, that there's a parallel for our Christian lives, that we start with a little bit of trust in God, maybe for, you know, we've come to salvation. Yeah, I believe I need my sins forgiven and to be right with God. But we need to move forward to 45 to say, well, actually, it's not just my salvation, but maybe my relationships, I need to trust you with God. And we move forward and um, maybe we move a bit further forward and something else happens and we start to trust God for other parts of our life. Maybe we're trusting God right now to come to church on a Sunday, which is great, come to church on a Sunday. That was the first decision I made when I became a Christian is I'm going to go to church on Sunday. That's what you do. That's what Christians do. And I started to realize that Monday was important and Tuesday was important and every day was actually important to the Lord. And, and you know, I came down from 50 to 45 to 40 to 35. I think God is actually caring about my life in smaller and smaller ways and becoming more and more intimate with me as my spiritual growth hopefully went on. I was encouraged and, and I, I read the scriptures thinking, actually, God cares about the very hairs on my head and he cares about the very hairs on your head. And that's just incredible. Abraham only got as far as 10. He couldn't go any further. And sometimes we're like that. We just, we can only go so far with God. We're just, in the end, three were saved out of Sodom. Not even his wife, bless her, made it. Lot and his two daughters. And just that idea of developing a relationship with God is really important. And, and developing your trust with God, to go all the way, even if there was just one, O oh God, even if it was just me, O oh God, 
yeah, yeah. Even if it was just you, I would save you, the whole city. I think that's God's heart. And I don't think it answers this question of suffering. And, but all we know is that we can come before God with honesty. The analogy of growing in God and obedience to him is important as well. And I just want to look at the next slide. Another way of looking at all this pilgrimage, journeying, moving from one to another is uh, taking a walk with God. Just take a walk with God. It's a pilgrimage is a walk with a purpose. It could be a physical one, but of course a spiritual one. And um, the idea of walking before the Lord in obedience is a theme in the Bible. Enoch and even Noah walked blamelessly before God or in obedience before God. They walked. Abraham was called and commanded to walk in faithfulness and blamelessness before the Lord. And the psalmist encouraged us to walk in the light of God's presence. And Micah there declares that we will walk in the name of the Lord all the days of my life. And I encourage each one of you that your walk before the Lord should be forever and ever. And my progression from trusting God for salvation took about a year before I trusted God to let people know that I was a Christian. I just, I didn't tell my mother where I went on a Sunday morning for nearly a year. I just took the car and borrowed it and said, I'm off, I'll be back. Shameful, looking back on it. But I was just so unsure of what my faith was and what it meant. And I took a, t- a while to get to that next stage of 45, actually, and then tell my friends, I'm a Christian. How hard can that be when you're a young person? It's terrifying. But as we trust God more for our lives, for our daily lives, then his, his love comes alongside it as well. And we want to trust God not just for our salvation, but perhaps to be baptized. We want to trust God to be filled with the Spirit. We want to trust God to read the Bible more and more and uncover these things. We want to move forward. We want to trust God to share our faith, believe things will happen. We want to trust God that actually when I pray, God might answer. We want to trust God for miracles like we're declaring wonderfully this morning. And we're maybe not there yet, but we're on a pilgrimage. We're on a journey. We're going somewhere with a purpose, and we're there together. And um, this idea of not just walking, but running before the Lord is coming to the fore. And Paul talks about it, that, that, um, that, that, that we can... Run the good race. And he says to the Galatians, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and stopped you from obeying the truth? And I wonder today that, I'm sure we can identify with that, that sometimes something comes in and we just stop running. I was running this morning. got as far as halfway around and my calf muscle started to get a bit sore and I had to walk, slow down. Linda, you remember all these days of running, just flying around. Suddenly the flying stopped and it was hobbling home. Something cuts in on us in our journey and our pilgrimage to our God. Some disappointment, some situation, some 
discouragement, some, some confusion perhaps, some illness, some difficulty, some valley of Baca comes in and, and cuts in and we stop a race. But the call this morning is to continue to run the race, at least walk, at least crawl. And if you're really struggling, you find some mates who put you in a mat and carry you and put you on a roof and take you through. And that's what we're called to do, isn't it? Do you remember the, recently this story, I don't know if you saw, of the Brownlee brothers doing the triathlon? Good Yorkshireman, David. Did you see them? Great story. You know them? They run the triathlon, gold and silver medalists. Recently, a triathlon competition. Did you see it? It was on YouTube. They, uh, you saw it, yeah. The older one, probably, or the younger one was winning, had his tripped up, exhausted, hit the wall, whatever it is. His brother runs past and stops and goes back to help him. And they hobble through together, finishing over the line together, while some other guy bombs past and wins a gold medal. Wonderful. That's the heart of God, isn't it? To carry each other across the line. And we're encouraged in Hebrews 2, in Hebrews 12, to say, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider whom, him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And it's a great picture of this journey that we're on together. And my attempts at running, started racing, not racing. I in, you know, entered these races. I'm not racing. I'm, I'm hobbling, running, getting there, persevering to the end. But the wonderful thing about them, when it's an organized event, they have mile markers. Funnily enough, they have them every mile. That's great. And, and you get to one, and then two, and then three, and four, and uh, you know, certain mile markers, they have drinks, and you get refreshed. I go, oh, great. And then when it's really the wrong race, some really long race, they give you sort of little food and you get energized again and refreshed. And, and they're just great when you pass one and you get, oh, there's another. Yes, two. And, and that same picture helps us, doesn't it? That God, I think, gives us milestones and mile, mile markers in our Christian walk. That, that we're moving forward and getting somewhere. We get encouraged. We get a, a word of knowledge from somebody. Or we get encouraged. We hear a promise. We, we receive something and we get refreshed. And, and sometimes there's a, a, a real time of blessing, like the young people last week going down and they were hugely refreshed, I believe. Is that right? You're down at Bradford? Who was down at Bradford last week? Give me a shout out. Anybody at Bradford? Good times. Refreshing. You took a pilgrimage to go out to get refreshed, to seek a promise, came back, I hope, refreshed and encouraged. And it encourages us. And every Sunday should be a time of refreshing, another mile marker, another week, another chance to hear God's promises. Every time we come together, come on Wednesday night to our pilgrimage to hear a legend of Christian music, set up stadium events in the 90s, Noel Richards and Trisha, come and get refreshed. And then come and we'll get more people coming. And if we can establish this place as a venue for bands like this, that, that we can be those marshals giving drinks to people running that race. Isn't that a great vision? That, you know, we can do that. 
we can help other people. We can run the race and get them across the line. Get them to the next marker. Just get to the next mile. Keep going. Keep going. Don't give up. I um, celebrated Alana's birthday this Friday. 21. Praise the Lord, my daughter. 21. Applause for being 21. That's not bad, is it? <laughs> I, um, I, this was all in my mind and uh, wanted to find some way to celebrate and give her a gift and ended up, would you believe it, writing a book. My first book was published. I wrote it on Friday. It was published on Wednesday and arrived in the post on Friday, praise the Lord, just in time. Last minute. It's not a big book. It's 28 pages. That was the minimum spend you could have. Uh, sorry, Lana, I should have told you that. But I managed to include four chapters of memories of Alana growing up, of how it, she began just as a thought, a hope in my heart before I was even married. But one day, maybe I would have children. And I won't take you through it all. I want to embarrass Alana too much. Tempting though it is, I'll resist. But I wrote some of the things that had been special to me and Lana, that I see in her, that encouraged me and, and I, I'm so proud of. And her gift and her heart and her, um, just the relationship we have, how it's grown from obviously when, I've, when I'm giving but receiving more and then sharing life together now. And, and I just wanted to encourage you, you know, that God has a book written with your name on it. I called it the little book of Lanakins. It's our pet name. God has a book. Your names are in the book of life. And he's written all the little times that you fell off the swing. And I pushed you too hard in the rope swing. And you fell off. And you got a bloodied nose. And stuff like that. God has that relationship with you. His Father. He is your Father in heaven. And He loves you closely. He knows what you're going through. He understands your thoughts and your desires and your hopes. He created you wonderfully. He created you wonderfully and fearfully. And as much as I can see something in Lana, how much more is the Father's love for Lana, the Father's love for you, of this journey of this story that he's taken us on, that the promises and the hopes that he has for our lives that he gave us in the first place, the promises that he's kept stored up for us, written on the palm of our hand, his hand, your name, the intimacy of God, the beauty of God, the love of God is so great and so strong and so powerful. And it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful. God loves you so much and cares about you so deeply that we just can't really begin to comprehend it. And we read these scriptures again. And George, if you want to just begin to bring your band back up and start to play, I guess. Blessed are those. Just read this again. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, 
whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, the pilgrimage to know God more, to receive God's love more, to trust God more for more areas of our life, to trust God for our finances, to trust God for our health, to trust God for our understanding of the world, to trust God for our families. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Oh, Lord Jesus, just come and pour out your revelation of your love on us today. And as we personalize this, I'm blessed when my strength is in the Lord. And I declare that my heart is set on pilgrimage today, O oh God, and that my life is directed for your promises, O oh God. And I'm trusting you for a job. I'm trusting you for relationships. I'm trusting you for a wife or a partner. I'm trusting you for these things. I'm not going to try and do it all on my own. And when I pass through the valley of tears, you'll be with me. And even there, I'm believing that you will make it a place of springs. I'll dig a hole and you'll fill it, oh God. The autumn rains will come, cover it with pools. And you will go from strength to strength. That's the promise of the God. Your faith is going from strength to strength. Your faith is going from strength to strength. Your life is actually going from strength to strength. Our church is going from strength to strength. Just encourage you, Ali, again, that story, if you've not read it, of your events in Haiti. Absolutely beautiful. People in the Valley of Baca. Somebody went and dug a hole, and God filled it. And we're going to continue to do that, as we're saying. The lady I mentioned with the twins, expecting the twins last time, I mentioned Sally's colleagues, friends. We've received donations, very generous donations from individuals in the church and the, the trustees committed from our general benevolence fund 400 pounds, there's over 500 pounds or so going to this girl who decided to keep her twins although she's no hope no light, no support really and I want you to know that together we can get people over the line and that is my hope, and I believe that is God, God's heart as we find our place in the journey and continue to move, continue to walk, continue to run. There'll be times of running, times of walking, times of being carried. But we never stop. We never stop. We keep going. And I encourage you today to keep going, to believe that you are going from strength to strength that you will get through this season and you will be a blessing and that your life has meaning your life has purpose please understand this the enemy is killing our men with suicide this generation is struggling to find identity and purpose and meaning and as young people I encourage you today here, here God has a plan for your life perfect plan and if you trust them
to start that journey. Take one step. Start to move forward. Whatever it means. Whatever that one step is. I'm going to walk in obedience to God. I'm going to trust God for this next thing. I'm going to get to the next mile marker. That's all I need to do. Just get to the next step. Get to the next place of refreshing. Let's stand together. And just commit our lives again to pilgrimage. Who's up for being a pilgrim? Come on, get the beard, get the tea towel on. Let's do it. Let's go wild, let's go weird. Why not? Amazing. Pilgrims, pilgrims. You're going from strength to strength. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. I ask you blessing on this word. Thank you for this promise, this Psalm 84 promise that you were going from strength to strength, oh God. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Just help us like Abraham, trust you more. Trust you more. Just take another step. You've asked for something, but ask for a little bit more. Ask for a little bit more of God. Ask for a little bit more of his love. Ask for a little bit more of his provision. Ask for a little bit more. And see what is see what he does. Oh God, let your mercy fall right now. Merciful light now. Let your love come down. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come on, God. Thank you, Jesus.